Episode 2 of Ominous Ontario, where I talk about murders committed around the province and visit graves. This episode was a little hard for me, I have to be honest. I was looking up cold cases around the Waterloo region, and this one really stuck out to me, so I tried to do a little more digging into it. The amount of information I haven't been able to find about the murder of Leanne Hunter is absolutely shocking to me. Usually, when I pick a true crime case to look up, I can find old articles, Reddit forums, Facebook pages. This case, I found exactly one news article, and although it was very thorough, uh, it was only three years old. I can find no police reports, no news articles from the time of the trial. So while this episode may end up being a bit shorter than my first one, this is a cold case that has definitely left me scratching my head, even though it really doesn't seem like it should have been that difficult to solve. There are some in the community who believe the killer was already on trial, but many others who aren't so sure. Today I'm going to lay out what I could find about the murder of Leanne Hunter and let you decide. September 19th, 1987 was a regular morning. At 11 a.m., Russell Hunter and his wife Leanne went to Zares in Preston, Ontario, now in No Frills, to do some shopping. The family was planning a fishing trip for that weekend. Leanne had left a note and the groceries in her husband's truck after deciding to walk home, even though it was a rainy day. The family lived on Concession Street, and she was spotted walking home at 1.50 that afternoon. The next day, Leanne's battered body was found in River Bluffs Park. She had extreme head trauma, and it appeared she had been sexually assaulted as her underwear were lowered and her t-shirt and her bra were pulled up. Investigators originally believed that Leanne had met with foul play during her walk home. However, neighbors have claimed they saw Leanne at 3.45 in the afternoon at home, which meant she did make the short walk without issues. Sexual assault was also ruled out when semen found in Leanne proved to be that of her husband. Leanne's daughter was 12 at the time of the murder. She spoke to Bill Doucette of the Cambridge Times and says that she remembered both her parents leaving for the grocery store, but only her father returning. Her brother had fallen out of a tree and broken his arm, and the rest of the afternoon was spent dealing with the chaos of the hospital. The broken arm happened just after 5.30 that afternoon. It took until 1995, but an arrest was made in the murder of Leanne. Russell was arrested and charged with second-degree murder. His trial began in 1997, with police ready to present their case against Russell Hunter. A neighbor had testified that Leanne was going to issue Russell with an ultimatum to give up his drinking, which is alleged Leanne saw as a problem. The Crown theorized that Russell had taken Leanne to an industrial area in his van, bludgeoned her to death, and dumped her body later on. No blood was ever found on Russell, in the van, or in the home. Police said there was a gap between 3.45 and 5.50 that was unaccounted for that the murder was committed. At 5.50, the call came in about his son's fall from the tree. After that call, Russell was at hospitals in both Cambridge and Hamilton. After scrutinizing Russell's day, including going through witness statements and phone records, 
The gap that Russell couldn't account for was shortened to a very tight 15 minutes. Regardless of this, police still stood firm in the belief that Russell got home between 3.45 and 4 p.m., found his wife at home and left with her, later coming home by himself. The defense was able to point out that Russell was at home talking to a friend of Leanne's at 4.20, and five minutes earlier, that same friend had spoken to her daughter at the Hunter home, and Russell was there at the time. The defense said it was pretty clear he couldn't have murdered someone in a bloody scene, cleaned it, and come home in 15 minutes. Emotions ran high during the trial. Because Russell had a drinking problem and was dealing with his emotions of losing his wife, he would often cry to family members that he had killed Leanne. They took that to mean by not driving her home, and he was racked with guilt in his drunken state. It should be said that I have tried to find out where Russell was while Leanne was in the Zares because she left the Zares, went and placed the groceries in the truck, and wrote a note for Russell and left it in the truck. Witnesses did see her walking home, so she absolutely walked home in the rain for some reason. So I've been trying to figure out where Russell was while Leanne was doing the groceries because she obviously wasn't carrying them home by herself, but she also wasn't waiting for Russell. I haven't been able to get an answer to that because like I said, finding information in this case has been really, really difficult. So Leanne did load the groceries in the truck and she did walk home. She was seen on Concession Street near her house, like I said earlier. The defense took the trial in a completely wild direction when they introduced new evidence. Two particles found on Leanne's clothing was a match to particles found in her brother's car. Her brother, Sean Grenier, had been earlier cleared as a suspect by police. The placement of these particles, though, is where it gets a little bit sketchy for me. White metallic spirals found in Grenier's truck were also found on the bra and underwear of Leanne. A red chip of paint found on Leanne's jeans matched a chip from the trunk and her body was covered in an oily substance that matched an oily substance found in the trunk. Police claimed they didn't know about that evidence until a week earlier and the Crown asked for the trial to be adjourned so they could try to link the paint to Russell, which to me is actually shady as fuck if we're being honest here. Why were they so sad on Russell having to be the killer when a different story was playing out right in front of them? The judge saw it that way as well and Russell was free to go. Police claimed that Sean was cleared simply because he and Leanne worked in the same place, so the metal could have come from the place of employment. I say maybe, but on her underwear and the paint chips too from his trunk along with the oil, it seems like maybe there's some more questioning that probably should have happened in this case of Sean. This part would be unimaginably hard for the children of Leanne Hunter. You have your father accused of murder, with evidence also pointing to your uncle, and your whole family is divided. I can't imagine that that was easy for them. Her daughter has said that she believes that the answers will be revealed one day, but that she does not want to blame her family. I'd imagine after 34 years, believing someone that was supposed to care for your family murdered the most important person in your life is an impossible thought to bear. She does not believe her father killed her mother, according to a 2018 article by Bill Doucette in the Cambridge Times. After the acquittal, police put no more work into finding Leanne's killer. Leanne's family asked for the case to be reopened 22 years ago, but were basically told no. 
Police claimed they had investigated everything and they believed that they had their killer. So unless someone brought them new information, they were not investigating further. New information, like the kind that got Russell acquitted in the first place, Waterloo Regional Police. To be fair, police claim they did look at other suspects. There was a similar murder in Kitchener in the 1970s, which I haven't been able to find information on yet either. I haven't actually looked that hard, honestly. So I'm going to do a bit more digging about that as well, because I'm not done looking into this case. Um, it's just, like I said, it's been brutal trying to find information on it. I don't know why. Everything seems to be really buried. So anyways, there was a similar murder in Kitchener in the 1970s, like I said. And a person of interest was interviewed. However, that person moved and police lost track of him. Leanne also had a neighbor she was afraid of. She would hide if he came by. In trial, evidence was also given that showed that in the days before her murder, Leanne was receiving obscene phone calls. The following summer, Leanne's daughter was at a baseball game when her grandmother received a call asking for her. The next day, Russell moved the kids eight hours north. Was the call related to the murder or was it something else completely? It's been 34 years and many questions remain in this cold case. I was very surprised at the lack of articles I found on the murder. I've been unable to find any records on Sean Grenier. Russell Hunter has passed away apparently never knowing who killed his wife. He frequently asked his family to push the police to reopen the case, but many of them held fear that the police clearly fixated on Russell would continue to push for him as the killer. This is where I have to start looking at the limited resources I can find, and I ask a few questions myself. The first one, how did the police so quickly clear Sean when they only had that evidence for a week? If they thought that they could link it to Russell, why didn't they use that week doing it? Why did they just automatically say it was because they worked together? And if the red paint chip matched a chip taken out of the trunk, how would you explain that on your sister's clothing? To me, that was a really weird speediness, especially for the time to be clearing him. They seemed shocked about it in trial and then he was just cleared. It was also falsely reported because of the state of dress of Leanne that she had been sexually assaulted. But later it was indicated she had not been, that the semen inside her was from her own husband. Why pose the body like a sexual assault occurred? This is just my opinion. But a brother might want to make it look like an assault occurred, but maybe unable to sexually assault their own sister. Who was on the phone? Was the same person that had been calling Leanne the one that called her daughter? Russell must have thought so because he immediately took his family away. Why were these calls not investigated further by police? Were the calls from her brother? Maybe there was a feud at work that we haven't heard about. Were they from the neighbor she feared? And what happened to cause that fear around the neighbor? Did Leanne leave the house that day with someone she knew? The neighbor who claimed that he saw her at 3.45, was he mistaken on the times? Did she actually get taken on that walk home? Or even more sinister, was the neighbor that claimed to see her the one who was actually causing her to hide? Also interesting to know, I have found absolutely no information on Sean Grenier. No criminal background, which is relevant, as most murderers don't live normal lives. But neither Sean Grenier nor Russell Hunter seem to have any public arrest records following the murder. The most bitter pill to swallow, in my opinion, is that the police and the people of Cambridge aren't absolutely outraged that such a violent and bloody crime was left unsolved. So I asked some people if they remembered the murder of Leanne and how the people of Cambridge felt. 
The majority of the people asked said that at the time, they believed that Russell Hunter had gotten away with murder, and most people didn't put much more thought or fear into it. 34 years later, I can tell you that the lack of investigation from police, in my opinion, have allowed a murderer to walk among you for 34 years, and his name is not Russell Hunter. I visited the Cambridge grave of Leanne. The most overwhelmingly sad part of it for me is that her beautiful gravestone shows a final resting place meant to be shared with her husband, a man who died in 2017. Her date of birth and death are there, but Russell only has his birthday etched in the stone. Even in death, he still isn't resting next to his wife, and for some reason, that hit me harder than I expected. To the family of Leanne, if you happen to be listening, reading your story has touched me and enraged me because she deserves justice. She is not forgotten, and her love for her family will always shine through her surviving children and grandchildren. If you have any information on the murder of Leanne Hunter on September 19, 1987 in Cambridge, Ontario, please contact police. Thank you for listening to my episode on the murder of Leanne Hunter. Tune in next time as we take another trip through Ominous, Ontario.